0: Hey everyone, welcome to the NAS Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastors from the NAS in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. It is so great to be with you this morning. Uh, many of you know, and some of you may not, which is totally fine. I've been gone for seven weeks this summer on sabbatical, and uh, I just have to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me and my family to do that, to go away to rest, and do all sorts of amazing things, and to spend time with Jesus. I can tell you this, I neared the end of my seven weeks of sabbatical, and I realized, I was like, I am so ready to get back here, because I believe now more than ever in the mission of this church. I believe in the people of this church. You guys are family. I love walking through here and hugging as many people as I could. I'm sorry if I hugged you and that made you uncomfortable. I'm just so glad to see everyone. Um, I believe in our pastor, I believe in God's vision, and so excited for this next season of ministry. And I wanted to stand up here and do a show and tell of my time away. Uh, Maybe I'll do that on Facebook later, but I am just so ready to get into God's Word. Are you ready to receive the Word of the Lord today? Are you excited for what God has for you? Do you know that God speaks to you through His Word? And uh, the most important words you're going to hear today, I'm going to say lots of them, and I'm going to talk fast. I got lots of notes. I have to let you know, because I was gone for seven weeks, I trimmed about half of this message off, but we're still going to go 45 minutes. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But... I believe that God has a word for you, and the most important words you're going to hear, you're going to hear right now, okay? Can you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and you're going to get a good idea of the topic we're talking about. While you're opening up your Bible, we're in week two of our series, Like Jesus. Last week, our pastor did a wonderful job sharing with us what it looks like to keep Jesus at the center. If you weren't here last week and didn't get to maybe watch, or you can still go on YouTube, and I would encourage you to go watch That message sets the tone for all of the things getting ready to happen in the life of our church, especially moving into the fall. Today, we're gonna talk about, and I chose this topic, okay, temptation. Now, before you leave, I believe this. I believe that God has something for you today. The words that keep going through my head, and I asked some of our prayer team to pray a little bit earlier, um, are these words, victory and breakthrough. As I've prayed all week, those have continued to speak, I believe, is the Holy Spirit speaking into my heart that God has victory for some people here today and breakthrough for people that are stuck into a cycle of falling and failing in temptation. That God wants to meet you right where you are right now, and you need to know that God is with you, He has not abandoned you, that you are not alone, that God has not rejected you, but He's calling you to Himself. Open up in your Bibles here, Matthew chapter 4. It says this. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. But during that time the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, for the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. To which Jesus responded, the scriptures also said, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory, He said, I'll give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me, to which Jesus replied, get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. The word of the Lord for the people of God today. Can we bow our heads and pray? Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence with us. God, we thank you that you meet us here, Lord. Father, as a speaker this morning, I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit to be poured out. For everyone that's listening, Lord, that your Holy Spirit even now is preparing our hearts, removing distractions and barriers, quieting our soul, that we can respond and participate in what's happening through your word today. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We ask this in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. So I'm talking about temptation and that's not normally a pump up message, right? Let's talk about temptation today. But as I was praying, I was like, okay, Lord, because I think it was something that I ended up walking through as I went on sabbatical, you, I had these naive views of what sabbatical was going to be like. I thought, man, I'm so ready for sabbatical, I'm ready for time with my family, time with Jesus, and me and Jesus are just gonna have mountaintop moments the whole time. Well, one of the things that I started to do is I started to keep a journal, and I journaled most days of sabbatical. And it was interesting because on day four, in my journal, I was still feeling a little down. I wasn't totally sure, and I started reading scripture, and I realized as I quieted my soul that there were different temptations that were hitting me that, to be honest with you, I'm not totally sure I even recognized them because I had been so busy doing everything else. You know this, that when it comes to temptation, sometimes the devil's going to have a loud voice and in your face, and other times he's going to whisper, and you're not even going to realize it. And I started to look through all of that and I'm like, man, I'm just a terrible person. Have you been there? Have you faced temptation before and you start to doubt yourself and your identity and God's call and all those other things? If I was a better person, maybe I wouldn't get tempted like this. We're going to come back to that later, but I want to answer these three questions today. What is temptation? Why did Jesus need to be tempted? And how can we be victorious over temptation? But I want to start with that question, and we're talking about like Jesus. If we want to be like Jesus, and that's our goal, to be like Jesus, since Jesus was God and was perfect, why was he tempted? Have you ever asked that question? Why did Jesus have to be tempted? And I found this quote from uh, Gregory the Great. He was one of our early church fathers in the 6th century AD. And this is what he said. He said, it was not unworthy of our Redeemer to wish to be tempted, who came also to be slain, in order that by his temptations he might conquer our temptations, just as by his death he overcame our death. I'm going to read that last part there. Who came also to be slain in order that by his temptations he might conquer our temptations just as by his death he overcame our death. In other words, Jesus was tempted in order for us to be able to overcome our temptations. Jesus was tempted so that we have the strength and ability through him to overcome the temptations that we face. Scripture tells us this, that we're not going to be tempted more than we can bear you see, because Jesus faced temptations and he was victorious. And because he was victorious, he made a way for us to be victorious. And in fact, I, I kind of had a conversation the other day one with a friend and one with my son. Very similar in nature. And, and I'm driving with my son in the car, and you guys may know the story of Adam and Eve. Right, the, the first people in the Bible, God created them and God gave them free will and choice to choose what he wanted or to choose what they wanted. Right, And so the snake shows up, the serpent representing the devil shows up in the garden uh, of Eden and tempts them and then they fall. And because they fell, we all fall. My son looks at me, we're driving in the car and he says, dad, I said, what? And you can just tell, he's just wheels are turning. He said, man. Adam really ruined things for us, didn't he? <laughs> and he said, can you imagine what the world would be like if Adam hadn't done that? You know, we'd be in the garden still and everything. And I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. I said, son, I think the point of the story is that humanity, when given the choice to choose God or to choose something else, Oftentimes, at one point or another, we'll choose something else. I said, my guess is, Adam's story is our story in that if you or I were in that situation, we would have done the same thing. And he went, he went hmm, I'm not sure about that, right? <laughs> but then a conversation I had with a friend who also had this conversation with his son, and I'm not saying his name because I didn't ask for his permission to share this. Um... But he said this, and I thought it was really profound. He told his son, his family, he said there was only one that was able to face temptation and not fail, and that's Jesus. And so we have this understanding in Scripture that when it comes to Jesus, Jesus is the second Adam. Jesus is able to do the things that humanity with free will was not totally able to do, but Jesus faced temptation and was victorious. And so by doing that, Jesus showed that Because he was victorious, we can be victorious. And this is my hope today. That you find victory because of what Jesus did. Because I believe there are people here, and I think it's probably all of us, to be honest with you, that we struggle, we fight against temptation, we do the best that we can, and we fall. But because Jesus is victorious, you need to know that you can walk in victory today. And this is what I want to encourage you to think through as we're talking. My guess is I mentioned the word temptation. You either got out your phone and started to go to a different place. But maybe the Holy Spirit's starting to identify different areas in your life that God's saying, hey, I got this. You're gonna be okay. We're gonna make it through. Think about that. Because I wanna define for us a little bit more as you're praying even right now, what is temptation? Like I think in a basic sense, we understand what temptation is, right? It's an urge to do something we know we shouldn't do. But what is it really? And in fact, as I told you before, I had this scripture that uh, I was reading that made me feel like a terrible person. This is what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. It says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world only offers a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world, and this world is fading away. Along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And so I'm having this moment with God and I'm kind of quiet and I'm journaling and I'm writing down these different temptations. I'm, uh, you know, desire, right? Uh, cravings for physical pleasure, cravings for everything we see, pride in achievement, pride in possessions. And I'm literally making the list and I'm going through with my pen and I'm saying, check, yep, I'm tempted there. Check, check check, and I'm like, man, I'm getting tempted every way that the Bible talks about getting tempted. God, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Have you felt that? I want to point out an important distinction for you about temptation. And you may want to write it down. To be tempted alone is not sin. Just because you face temptation does not mean that you are sinning it is not inevitable that when you are tempted that you are going to fall to temptation. Just because you are tempted does not mean that you have sinned. And I think on top of that, because you're tempted with something, and I, uh, the, the, the temptation there is sometimes to believe that my temptations are my identity. Because I'm tempted with something, that must be who I am. Or because I fall to this temptation, that is my identity. And that's not true. To be tempted is not a sin. You have not committed a sin when you're tempted, okay? If you are tempted by something, that does not mean that's who you are. And that's really hard to grasp, right? Aren't you glad, though, that when Jesus was tempted, it didn't change his identity? That would be ridiculous. Because temptation is a tactic of the enemy to try to overcome you, to get you to fall. And we're gonna talk about a little bit more kind of what that looks like. But if I'm going to simplify temptations even more, uh, temptations are this, temptations are lies. Temptations are lies. And that makes sense, right? Because if the devil is the... Uh, the, the, The father of lies, as scripture says, he's really good at distorting truth and reality. So what's happening with temptation is this. When you are tempted, oftentimes there are lies being told to you, good things of God that are being distorted, but ultimately, we're telling ourselves that if I make this decision, and I'll tell you why I think we make this decision in a moment, if we make this decision that I will be back in control. It's the classic temptation. We saw that in Adam and Eve in the garden. In fact, I, I listened to a podcast the other day of talking about faith over fear, and this is what it says. It says, fear is faith distorted. It is despair about the future instead of hope. Fear is faith distorted, despair about the future instead of hope. I think what happens with temptation when we're told lies is the response to this temptation often when we fall is a response of fear. Saying I don't know what's ahead, all I know is what I think I need right now and therefore I start to walk away from what I know about God. And I move away from the promises of God and who God has identified me as. Because often found, and I think I mentioned this a moment ago, temptations are often good things of God that the devil has distorted. And when we fall to temptation, we settle for distorted things instead of the real good that God has for us. And we allow fear to convince us to believe that things won't work out, that we need something right now, that we're going to lose control, uh, that we won't have what we need. And then instead of having faith and hope for the future because we know that our God is there, we have despair. And we respond. Uh, in fact, let me give a, uh, a real life example of this. And some of you may know and others may not, but in the spring, my wife and I were praying and uh, we felt like the Lord was leading my wife to resign from her position and that he had another position for her somewhere else in the future. And we were pretty clear about what that looked like. And so we had like five months because she's a teacher to figure out what that looks like. And of course, in the beginning, in five months, you're like, oh yeah, we can do this. The Lord wants us to do it. Great. Let's just do this. You know, like, let's let's take a step. And I don't generally recommend leaving your job without another one lined up. But um, we were very certain, okay, this is what the Lord wants us to do. And thank goodness my wife has better faith than I do. Because we got to a place on on sabbatical where I thought things should have started to work out by now when they weren't working out. And so I started talking to my wife, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, do this thing and we can uh, get this job. And I think you'd probably just need to take whatever job comes your way. Because maybe the Lord didn't mean that it's for this school year, but maybe he meant that it's, you know, for 12 or 18 months down the road. And you know what? I got a plan. We're going to take care of this. Sound familiar? Because of fear. Fear, I know, paychecks are running out. We need to have a plan. God, would you just hop out of the driver's seat and let me take over real quick? I think I know a better way there. I can get us there fast. And my my wife is a beautiful person who apparently loves Jesus more than I do, I think says, David, I'm a little nervous, but I really do believe this is where the Lord's leading us. And of course, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure he is. (laughs) I wish that wasn't my response, okay? (laughs) And... Because of my fear, I allowed these things to get in the way, and then what? You know, at about two weeks before sabbatical ends, the thing that the Lord promised actually happened, and my wife got the job that she's supposed to get, because the Lord told her that she was going to do it because of her faithfulness, not because of mine. Isn't that what temptation does, though? It comes on and it points at maybe some of your insecurities and some of your weaknesses, and say, "Hey, if you would just take control, if you would just uh, get in the driver's seat, right?" Because we do this with the Lord sometimes. Where the God is saying, hey, let me drive us, let me take you where I want you to go, and I want you to ride, and you can't help, but we call it in my family, a backseat driver. Do you ever have those? Where your 10-year-old tells you how to drive? (laughs) Oh boy, nothing fires me up more. (laughs) But we do that with God. Hey God, I want you to drive as long as... I feel good about what we're going, but if we don't get there quick enough, if we don't go the direction I think you should go, I need you to scoot over, or I'm gonna tell you what I think you should do. Because fear kicks in. Even though we have promises of God showing us the future that he has for us, and we can have hope for the future because we always have hope for the future in Christ, what do we do? We fall prey to despair, and we believe the lies that the devil is trying to tell us that we can be in control if we just do those sorts of things. This is exactly what the devil was doing with Jesus um, when he said in verse three, in Matthew four, verse three, he says, during the time the devil came to him and Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. He said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I thought it was interesting. Jesus' response is actually straight out of Scripture. And what Jesus is referring to is a moment when the people of Israel were being led out of Egypt towards the promised land. And as they were being led out of Egypt towards the promised land, they were in the desert and they reached the place where they ran out of food and they were starting to get hungry. And they did what we do. Maybe not we, I'll just say me. They complained. They complained. God, I'm hungry. God, I need this thing right now. And so what the Bible tells us is that even in their grumbling, God sent this thing called manna into the desert and provided bread and food for them to be able to eat. But we find later on in the scriptures, this is in Deuteronomy, is that God was telling them, even though you're going to a promised land that has plenty, a land flowing with milk and honey, and you're gonna have more than you ever need if you would just trust me, I needed to take you through times where you're hungry. I needed to take you through moments where you're thirsty because I need you to trust in me and humans do what humans always do rather than turning to God immediately, we begin to question God. But he said, I needed you to go through moments that are hungry so that when you're in the promised land and your bellies are full and you live in nice houses and you have great farms and and all these other things, you would know that it's because of what I have done. Because what I have done through you and I have provided for you, otherwise you would believe that you did it on your own. And so when we look at temptation, I think the, uh, the thought process often is... That it's a bad thing. What if temptation wasn't necessarily always a bad thing? What if God was taking you through a moment of hunger because he understands the place that he's leading you to? God knows what's ahead of you. God knows the promised land or the situation or the place that you're heading into. And God is saying to you that I wanted you to understand what it looks like to rely on me so that when you're in that place of plenty, you'll know that I'm the one that provided that plenty too. And we find this with Jesus because I often see this maybe in my own life that moments where you have spiritual breakthrough in your life, Moments where great things are happening. In fact, Jesus went into the desert after his baptism. We have river baptism coming up. Next week, Pastor John's answering the question why did Jesus need to be baptized? But the enemy attacks hardest after moments of spiritual breakthrough. You know that? And so oftentimes, moments of great attack are also moments where you understand and realize what's happening, that God is up to something and doing something great, and God's Holy Spirit may be speaking to you and wanting you to listen, and then you have the voice of the enemy that says, no, I don't want you to get too close to God, and so I'm going to be really loud, and I'm going to tempt you, and I'm going to hit you with all of these other things because I want you to listen to me. And then when you fall, the enemy says, see, that moment you had with Jesus wasn't real. That wasn't an authentic moment. Maybe it was not emotion, but you know who you really are. <sighs> Maybe I'm just preaching to myself today, but you know what I'm saying? This is what happens. What if we began to look at temptation and understand that maybe those that are getting the hardest hit the hardest are some of those that are the greatest threat to the gates of hell. (laughs) That maybe God is calling you and moving and the enemy doesn't want you to take those steps. In your life, maybe God is allowing the situation though that you're walking through to strengthen your faith, to test your faith a little bit, to know that the blessings that you have and the places God is leading you and has led you through is a result of what he's done in your life because Jesus was tempted so that we can be victorious. Because of the power that Jesus has over temptation, we can walk in victory, but it's not because of our own strength or what we can do or our own willpower. God says, I have overcome that, and because of that, I am going to be your strength to overcome the temptations that you're facing. So here's my question, how do you defeat temptation? How do you defeat it? What does that look like? Because it's one thing for me to get up here and say, Jesus is the one that defeats temptation. And it's a good thought, but what does that mean to live it? To internalize it? And I have to tell you this today, that the only way I know to beat lies is with the truth. You know that? The only way you beat lies is with the truth. And so it's very interesting and important to notice that every time he is tempted, how does Jesus respond? With the word of God. With the word of God. In fact, Jesus says this. I'm going to go in the Gospel of John here. 8, verse 31 and 32. It said, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. If you listen to my words, to what I teach you, know them, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When I know this, and it looks two ways, right? Knowing the truth, you have to know God's word, but more importantly, I would say this, you need to know Jesus. Jesus. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Word, God's Word with us, right? He became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's interesting, we find this Scripture here because Satan, if you'll even notice, when he takes Jesus up to the temple and he says, hey, I want you to jump off of here. And he doesn't just stop there, he quotes Scripture at Jesus, If you are the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. What do you do with that? The devil knows the Bible. But if the devil is a father of lies and distortion, do you think that the devil can take something that's written in the Bible and distort it to say something that's not true? And so Jesus also responded, you must not test the Lord your God. You see, I have to say this about truth and understanding scripture. The lens through which we read and understand scripture, the way that we understand the Bible is not by pulling little bits and pieces out that you maybe see on Facebook or Instagram or whatever and then develop some whole idea about who God is or who God isn't or what God wants or what God doesn't want based off some little piece. In fact, what we believe is if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life as he says he is, then Jesus is the one that I need, the lens that I need to read and understand God's Word. That I have to understand who Jesus is to better understand what these words mean. And so that means if truth is the way out of lies, then that means I actually need to know this book. I need to know God's Word, but I also need to know the life of Christ and what Jesus stood for. Does that make sense? So if we're going to defeat the lies, we have to defeat them with truth, because even the enemy can take things out of Scripture and distort them. But Jesus says, "Don't test the Lord your God, because what happened here in the Old Testament is they're also in the desert, is the people of Israel went through a season and a time where they were thirsty, just like they were hungry, and they grumbled. They complained. But God gave them water anyways. But it was a moment, and maybe you've done this before. Certainly, God, if you are God, you would not have let this happen. You wouldn't have let us out into the desert to be thirsty or fill in the blank. If you were God, how would God let this happen? So if you are God, I need to prove, you to prove right now that you are God. I think sometimes God provides for us in spite of how we talk to him or in spite of our perspective, our wrong perspectives about God, because I have to tell you this, that God does not change based on your circumstances or your expectations, that God loves you and knows what you need, and he's calling you for fa- to faith, not fear. You must not test the Lord your God and Jesus responded that way in that moment. I'm gonna ask you to do this, church. Would you stand with me as we get ready to close? What it looks like to overcome temptation is to know the truth, to respond with truth, and one of the truths that I know when I try to live by this because we understand that if Jesus, since Jesus was victorious over the devil, over temptation, I can walk in victory. And one of the ways I know we can walk in victory is not just because we try to do our best, but scripture tells us this, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us if you're in Christ Jesus. Jesus. That you have the power of God available to you in those moments. And I want to tell you this also, and I have one more scripture. This is in Luke chapter 22. Because this is even for people that fail and fall. One of Jesus' closest friends, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you. You know, Jesus prays for you. I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. That there's this understanding in God's word through the words of Jesus himself, that should you fall, should you stumble, that doesn't mean your faith is gone. It doesn't mean your faith has failed. It says, so when you have repented and returned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Some of you need to know this, that some of us, I think, when we fail, when we fall, we assume that the door has been closed between us and God. And you need to know the truth, and the truth will set you free, that God has called you out of your failures, out of your stumbling, out of your falling, back to him, that that is the door that's open. He said, repent. Part of returning to Jesus is repentance. And no one likes to hear that. God, I'm sorry, I messed up. Change me. But he said, even when you fail, the door is open. Return to me. And then guess what? I have a purpose for your fallings and failures because I want you to use it to strengthen your brothers. That God has a purpose through what you're walking through today. And we're getting ready to sing a song, we're going to end this way, it's called, I Speak Jesus. Jesus. There's power in that name. There's power to save in the name of Jesus. There's power to heal in the name of Jesus. There's power for victory in the name of Jesus. And I think what... The Holy Spirit is laid on my heart as I think about what it means to speak Jesus. Is sometimes when you speak Jesus, there's a prophetic nature to it. And what that means is I may not totally believe by my own efforts that I'm able to escape the temptations of this world. I might not even believe that I'm gonna be able to make it through, but I believe that when I speak the name of Jesus, something happens. That that victory he won is a victory for me. It's a victory for you. And so this is the call to you today, church, to speak the name of Jesus, to know his victory for you, to walk in that victory even if you've fallen. There's a door back to him. And so today, whether you believe it or not, we're going to worship. I'm going to encourage you to speak the name of Jesus because there's power and healing in his name. Let's worship together, church. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at the NAS.Church.